She placed her hands with firm gentleness on my shoulders. No, Jessie, stay here and study. And maybe I can find someone to replace me tomorrow. I wouldn't mind a day in bed. She smiled, trying to hide her tiredness as she slid into our battered Chevy Impala. I will always remember that smile. It is cut into my brain like a carved cameo. I can picture her blue dress, the paleness of her cheeks, void of makeup, the warmth of her brown eyes. She'd placed her worn white purse beside her on the seat, its bent handle flopping forward. Something about that old purse tugged at my heart. I thought of the long hours she was about to put in, again, for no pay. How many dresses, how many purses could she have bought had she spent as much time earning money? Mom hadn't led an easy life herself, yet she was always thinking of others. Her husband, my father, had wandered away when I was a baby, leaving her with nothing but dark memories of his alcoholism. Years later, he was killed in a drunken fight in some bar halfway across Ohio. Her one sister lived in a tiny, remote town in Kentucky, and they rarely saw each other and Mom had been estranged from her parents for years before their deaths. After the one and only disastrous time we'd taken a chance and visited them, I'd declared with all the righteous indignation a ten-year-old could muster that we'd never go back again. Within four years of that visit, her father had died from cirrhosis of the liver and her mother from heart disease. As Mom slipped the keys into the ignition, the smile I've held in my memory faded from her lips. Then, for the briefest of moments, her eyes slipped shut, and I watched an expression of despair spread across her features. Anxiety for her hit me in the chest, and I was just about to argue with her further about staying home when her eyes reopened. She noticed me gazing at her, and the expression vanished. She smiled again, a little too brightly. The car started, and she began to pull away from the curb. I saw her left hand come up, fingers spread. It was a small wave, intimate. Thanks for caring, it seemed to say, but you know I'll be fine. I lifted a hand in return, managed a wan smile back. I sighed in worry as I watched Mom ease down our street and turn right. Then she was out of sight. Two blocks from our house, she would turn left and begin the climb up View Ridge, which curved to become visible from where I stood. I fervently wished she had stayed home to rest. The distinctive sound of a mail slot opening clanked through my thoughts. I turned to see Jack, our mailman, pushing envelopes into the Farrell's house next door. Calling out a greeting, I waited near the curb for him, shielding my eyes against the sun. Hi, Jesse, Jack said as he drew near, pulling our mail from his cart. Almost done with school for the year, aren't you? He folded the envelopes inside a magazine and held the bundle out to me. I raised my hand to take it. That's when the squealing began. It was a long keening, the unmistakable sound of frantic breaks. It's not the noise itself that immediately draws your eyes. It's the expectation of what's to follow. Jack's head jerked up. I whirled around, 
scanning View Ridge, and caught sight of my mother's car. Then I saw the vehicle reeling toward it, pulling a trailer, fishtailing badly. Dread bolted me to the sidewalk. Time slowed, suspended in the suddenly suffocating air. In the next second, it looked like Mom swerved onto the shoulder towards safety, but she had little room. I remember the nausea that seized me at that moment, even before the inevitable crash. I felt as if I were watching a horror movie, shouting, No! No! at the screen. Then I heard the words yelled and realized they were my own. Jack murmured a prayer. Vaguely, I registered the sound of mail hitting a sidewalk. The crash played forever. There was the smash of impact as the truck...